0: Well, we're glad that everyone is here. If you can, turn with me this morning to the book of Proverbs, chapter 8. The book of Proverbs, chapter 8. We have been in this wonderful chapter of Proverbs. Now, this is our third week. We will finish out this chapter next week. But it's amazing to watch how God reveals His glory through the Old Testament. And here we are in Proverbs chapter 8, beginning in verse 22. So if you're able to stand, let us stand in reverence for the reading of God's Word. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, the first of His acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens I was there, when he drew a circle in the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then it was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. Let's pray. Dear God Almighty, we do think, and praise you above all things. You have given us wisdom. And the book of Proverbs points to this. This thing called wisdom is a gift from you. For us. To wander and to just explore the world around us. To, to just gaze in amazement at your creation, but also at you. Father, you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ. You have established Him before all things were ever created. He was. He is. Christ, who is the Father, and the Father is the Son. Likewise, wisdom is the Son, and the Son is wisdom. All of this, Father, you see, You show us in your Word, is, is something that that just is, it, it, it was established long before that which established was established. It was an amazing mystery, God, that this thing called wisdom is something that was there before time. And so, God, I pray that you would open our minds this morning, that you would show us what we need to see in your word, that you would reveal to each and every one of us what it is that we worship, reveal to us we stand in glory before. Teach us this morning, God. Speak boldly, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Thus far in the book of Proverbs, we have clearly seen a connection between Christ as wisdom and wisdom as Christ. Now we come to a section of this chapter that points to wisdom as this thing that that the Lord established in the beginning of His work. So now we have some questions. I don't know about you, but how many, how many people just look around at the created world and just you are just stand in wonder? No, in, in this hectic, busy culture and time that we live in, we often overlook and miss the beauty of God's created order. I was told years ago uh, when I was in a very busy season, which seems to be almost my constant state anymore, um, that I needed to slow down and smell the roses. I've had people tell me that from time to time. It's a good thing for us to do that. And, and there is something about looking at the created order that verses 22 through 31 of this chapter points to. That we, Solomon, the writer of the Proverbs here, speaking to his son is now speaking wisdom of look around you, look at all that is created and understand that wisdom is that thing which was before all of this was established. Hmm. There is this idea that all things that are have been caused if we wake up in the morning, there is something that causes us to wake up, whether it is the sun coming through, whether it be the fact that we've actually gotten a good night's sleep, whether it be that pesty alarm clock that we pick up and throw against the wall, or our lovely children who come and bounce into the bed. Whatever. There is something that causes our day to begin. Even as we begin our worship service this morning, there is a cause for us to begin. As you were born, there was a cause of your existence. Just as we do anything in this world, there is this concept of cause. It's a deep thought, really. And as we look at this section of Proverbs, we see, beginning in verse 22, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, the first of His acts of old. We know that in this chapter, it, Solomon has personified this thing called wisdom. Wisdom is speaking to us just as if you or I were speaking to one another. So this is a literary way of teaching. Wisdom is now personified, speaking. And through this, we can, we can make some parallels here. Up till this verse we have actually made some parallels to where that when wisdom speaks, we could also argue that Christ himself is speaking. Because we have established pretty clearly in the scriptures in Matthew and in Luke and Colossians and 1 Corinthians that Jesus is the wisdom of God. So you could have an argument here in Proverbs chapter 8 that Christ himself is really speaking. But then we get to verse 22. And when we read this, now we raise some questions. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Now the King James Version here actually translates this, that the Lord possessed me before all was created, before his works of old. We've got a question here now, is, is Jesus now still being spoken of? Because it almost appears here in verses 22 and 23, especially look at verse 23. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the world as if Jesus himself had to have a cause, which we know theologically is incorrect. Jesus did not have an original cause. Jesus was not born. I mean, he was born, but he was not created. Jesus has no beginning, really. Because Christ and the Father are one. And we're going to see some more of this, that Christ was there at the beginning of all creation. So, if Christ was there at the beginning of all creation, he was a participant in the creation of the world, then Jesus must have been long before what we know as reality started. So, therefore, Christ could not have been created. So, now we've got a dilemma. So let's take a look at this a little bit deeper. Are y'all ready for a, a little bit of a headache this morning from the sermon? In the 20th century, we have uh, what has been called Einstein's theory of relativity. How many people studied that in school? You may have heard of it, but how many of y'all have ever actually studied it? Einstein's theory of relativity. Here's the amazing thing about uh, his, his theory of relativity. Most great scientific works or great groundbreaking ideas of human history have always become in like large tomes of writing, volumes upon volumes to think through whatever the idea is. Einstein's theory of relativity was three pages. Simple. But Einstein's theory of relativity earned him great esteem and changed radically the way We understood the reality that we live in, particularly how time and matter interrelate. The theory of relativity basically says this, that time is relative. And so we take this theory, and it it has been explored in recent science fiction movies, and, and NASA even acknowledges this, that if we were to ever successfully send astronauts, human beings, out into the cosmos... If they are out in the space for many years and then return home, the years that they spend in space will not equate to the years that we have spent on earth. In other words, someone could be in space for 10 years, 20 years, come back, and hundreds of years have transpired on earth. we have not actually physically done this but every the, every philosophical every scientific model is measuring this out as true we're going to test this i think in the coming generation to see if it is einstein's theory of relativity establishes that time and matter are coexist are coextensive coextensive which means that time and matter both extend out and without matter, there is no time, and without time, there is no matter. Now, that is your science lesson for the day. How does this tie to theology? How does this tie to scripture? Because, I, I mean, clearly, the biblical authors didn't know anything about Einstein's theory of relativity, knew absolutely nothing about Einstein's way of thinking, but biblical authors knew truth. And Solomon, the writer of the book of Proverbs, in in expressing his wisdom here, is just another example of how God's truth transcends all matter in all time. Biblical authors understood what was happening. And when we look at this issue, we, we see Jesus as that which was before time. God himself transcends time. You and I understand past, present, future. Beginning, middle, and end. We do not understand reality apart from some cause which starts it all. And some end which stops it. It's beyond our ability as human beings to fathom. Yet somehow Christ is this. Jesus was not only before all of, crea- all of creation. When we think about creation, we also have to remember we're talking about matter. What is matter? I mean, this, this pulpit here has material form. We all as human beings are sitting here in bodily material existence. Jesus was not only before matter He was also before time. Let's look at this in Scripture. Turn over to the book of Jude. It's that small epistle right before the book of Revelation. There's only one chapter, the book of Jude, and we're going to look at verses 24 and 25, a wonderful doxology for the church. and dominion and authority are before all time and are now and forever. Wow. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Just flip over a few more pages to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Thessy, Thessy, Tim, Tim, Titus is the way that we remember that in Bible drill. 2 Timothy chapter 1 beginning in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and to which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Notice here in verse 9 that it is God's glory and His power and His purposes of grace, which were established and given to us in Christ Jesus before Time began. Wow. So that right there shows us that the salvation in Jesus Christ, clearly in Scripture, was not plan B. Was not, oops, God made a mistake. He created human beings with free will, therefore they made a mistake, and now God has to somehow catch up. God, in His wisdom, and in His majesty, and in His glory, established salvation in Jesus Christ and grace before time. Wow. So what are we talking about here in Proverbs? (laughs) Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. In verse 22... We see that Solomon says, The Lord possessed me, which meaning wisdom. The Lord possessed wisdom at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I, wisdom, was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. We have a conundrum here going on in verses 22 and 23. If wisdom is this thing, which I agree is, wisdom is not just some fantasy. I think wisdom is a thing similar to what we know of physical, material things, but it's not material. Wisdom is clearly a thing that God himself establishes. In verse 23, ages ago, I, wisdom, was set up at the first. Before the world could ever become, wisdom was... That's a deep, deep idea. Why is Solomon saying this? Number one, because it's true. And number two, because this somehow points to God's majesty and His glory. And somehow points to to all of wisdom and all of the created world and all of salvation somehow being fulfilled and complete in Christ. Somehow. What this is pointing to. The Lord possessed me. God possesses wisdom. In other words, God has this thing called wisdom long before we were ever established. Before all was created. Wisdom, according to this, was God's first act. An action, something that God did. He establishes wisdom. So here we see that wisdom is a thing caused by God through Christ Jesus, because Christ establishes all things. In other words, all things are for Christ and by Christ. That's why they exist. How do we know this? Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 2. So we're flipping around a little bit today. But we have to have some little background here in order to understand what Proverbs is saying. Hebrews chapter 2 really, really helps us understand what's going on. Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus is the founder of all salvation. And if you wish to read all of chapter 2, I encourage you to do that in context with chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 was our call to worship. As the writer of Hebrews is establishing that before the world began, Christ was. So therefore, Christ is not this fallen angel. Nor is he God's glorified. He He is above that. And in chapter 2, we see here, beginning in verse 5, Now it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, and now the writer of Hebrews uh, cites Psalm chapter 8. What is man that you are mindful to him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels, You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Psalm chapter 8, being quoted here in Hebrews chapter 2, has often been misinterpreted that we as human beings are higher than angels and that we as human beings are for a short time lower than the angels. That is incorrect. Look here in verse 8. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Verse 9. But we see him, talking about Christ, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Jesus himself was the one who was made a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Anyone who tells you in Psalm chapter 8 that Psalm chapter 8 is talking about humanity, being made just a little lower than the angels, they are not understanding what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 9. He makes it real clear. <laughs> this man who is made a little lower than the angels is Jesus himself. Wow. Jesus was the one who for a little while was made lower than the angels. In other words, he, is, he steps into humanity. He steps into the creation Now, let's look at verse 10. Here's the main point. For it was fitting that he, speaking of Jesus, for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. We see here in this one verse two main things. Number one, Jesus is the founder of our salvation. Let's just let that sink in for a minute. That right there is probably about six months' worth of sermons. Jesus is the founder of our salvation. And if Jesus was before there was time, and if Jesus for a little while was made lower than the angels, that was the reason to found our salvation. But look here in verse 10 as well. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist. Do you realize that this reality that we know, this world by which we live, exists two ways. For Christ and by Christ. We'll let that sink in for a minute. All matter... All time, that Einsteinian ways of thinking, that's a deep word, wants to somehow explain, was established and exists for Christ and by Christ. Period. Chapter 1 of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus was there at the beginning when all things were created. And they were created for Christ and by Christ. So when we go back to Proverbs chapter 8, now we've got a little bit of a different understanding of what Proverbs chapter 8 verses 22 and 23 are pointing to. The Lord possessed me, meaning wisdom, at the beginning of His work, the first of His acts of old. Wisdom here then is not necessarily Christ himself, but clearly something that culminates in Christ. How do we see this? Proverbs clearly establishes the relationship between wisdom and that final and definitive revelation of Christ himself. I think we've established that already. And we can see that in other verses. We looked at Matthew chapter 12, Luke chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, all of those passages make it real clear that Jesus is the wisdom of God. But here in Proverbs chapter 8, if you take that line of reasoning, which I think is correct, and try to now look at verse 22 and say, well, but God now created wisdom, so therefore he created Christ. That right there goes totally against the rest of Scripture. So we have to understand what's going on here. You see, if this is what happens, then wisdom is personified in Proverbs, and some could say this is Christ himself personified. Yet wisdom does not necessarily represent Christ here in verse 22, because wisdom is pictured as something as created. This is what we call a typology, Here's a little bit of theology for you. I'm sorry about that this morning, but we have to go there in order to try to figure out what God is teaching us here. A typology is really, it's a theological way of of understanding things. It's the idea that things are prefigured or symbolized by other things in the Old Testament. So we see Christ personified in things all throughout the Old Testament. We call them Christophanies all the time. But in this situation, in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 22 and 23, wisdom is this thing that is established and set up by God as in, in his very first act, but it does not mean that wisdom is Christ-created. See, a typology can also involve what we call an escalation, something that begins as one thing and grows and culminates in something else. And that, I think, is what's happening here. Wisdom is clearly established at the beginning of all things. And this, throughout human history, and throughout Scripture, and throughout all time, grows and points to something greater, and that is Christ, who is the final definition of wisdom. See what we mean here? Just like all of the earthly riches in Proverbs, whenever we see imagery in Proverbs about prosperity and wealth and kings and princes, all of this are things which point to the spiritual riches of Christ. In the same manner, wisdom here in Proverbs 8, and 23 is the richest treasure of all treasures beyond all material wealth, beyond all prosperity and glory. Wisdom is that which always was, always is, always will be, and wisdom is what is finally defined in the revelation of Christ. Think about that. Salvation was founded by Christ before the earth was. Wisdom was established by God before there ever was anything. Jesus himself merely was before there was anything. Christ culminates. All wisdom. Now, let's look here at the rest of this passage. Look at verses 23 and 24. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I brought you forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. We see in Hebrews chapters 1, Actually, chapter, let's, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 1. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped. Before the hills, I was brought forth. Before He had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When He established the heavens, I was there. When He drew a circle on the face of the deep. When He made firm the skies above. When He established the fountains of the deep. Proverbs is speaking about what the writer of Hebrews echoes in chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Jesus is that final revelation of what the prophets were speaking about. Jesus is the final conclusion to everything that even Solomon in the book of Proverbs was pointing to. Look here in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Look at verses 30 and 31. of Proverbs chapter 8. As we read in the book of Proverbs, all of these things, wisdom was established in the heavens. Everything was established before. Even in verse 29, when God Himself assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress His command, when He marked out the foundations of the earth, verse 30, wisdom speaking, I was beside Him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. Wisdom was there at the beginning of it all. And in verses 30 and 31, we see that wisdom was standing beside God himself like a master workman, a craftsman, creating the beauty and the glory of the Lord. Something that was created that brings joy that God himself now inhabits and takes delight in. Look there in verses 30 and 31. I, wisdom, was beside him, God, like a master workman, And wisdom, I, was daily his delight and rejoicing before him always. And this inhabited world is something that God takes joy in and delights in us, the children of man. So wisdom inhabits the created world. Wisdom delights in us. We, in same manner, Rejoice in the Lord who created all things, and take delight in Him. We see the back and forth relationship here. Why does the, Sol- Why does the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, make this point? Because throughout most of, of, of chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7, leading up to chapter 8, he is contrasting those things that are foreign to God's wisdom and foreign to God's glory. Now in chapter 8, he's establishing God's glory. The things that we should, with wisdom, take delight in over and above the evil of the world. So here's the thing. If God, through his wisdom, brings delight to his created order, what is it that we delight in? You see what the writer of Proverbs is trying to teach us through the wisdom here is that God who is wisdom, His Son Jesus Christ, is the Lord's wisdom and that is established long before the created world. Why is it that we take joy and delight in earthly wisdom over godly wisdom? Ponder that for a second. How many of us have, after the fact, thought, what was I thinking? Everybody done that? (laughs) Whenever we are discerning how to live, discerning how to make it through the week, through the month, through the year, how to raise our families, how to interact with each other, how to live in this fallen world. That is what wisdom is for. Wisdom is there to teach us and to guide us and direct us in godly thinking. But we often substitute the perfection of God's glorified wisdom for earthly fallen evil things. Things that at best imitate God, but do so in a way to steer us away from that which is righteous. So the writer of Proverbs here, Solomon, I think is right here saying, Son, Christian, this is fatherly wisdom. Son, wisdom was there before all this began. So why do you choose the world over what always was? We'll let that sink in for a minute. If the salvation offered through Jesus Christ was founded before time, why is it that we wish to substitute that for our own making, our own salvation, our own desires, our own ways? You see, wisdom inhabits the creation, and wisdom delights in us, the children of man. Do we delight in wisdom? This wisdom that existed before, here's the idea, it's called a priori. It's the idea of that which comes prior. It is a deep thought. We substitute that which is before with that which comes after. You want second-hand wisdom? That which only comes after when that which was before already established it? Why do we choose secondhand wisdom for that and substitute for that which always was? That's something we've got to think about. Why do we worry and imprison ourselves in earthly worries and circumstances when wisdom existed long before the worries and the circumstances came to be? That's a thought. Christ Himself, our salvation, is the wisdom that we embrace. And all of this world that we live in, in Proverbs chapter 8, speaking about the depths of the seas and the height of the mountains and the first dust of the world and the earth, God established the heavens. He established the fountains, He established the waters, He established the mountains, He established us, He established all that there is. God established time. He established time and He established matter. They go hand in hand, yet wisdom transcends all of that. So if we follow the worldly ways of thinking in that the only answers that we can be confident in, are those answers that are tangible, material, here in the now. We have missed the truth that transcends all of it. The scientific ways of thinking embrace the material as the only proof of anything. Matter of fact, they will even teach and I'm still trying to wrap my brain around this one because I have to teach it in my philosophy classes. I'm trying to figure out the argument to counter it, and I'm going to figure it out through Scripture first. <laughs> how, the, the teaching is that all molecules, all physical matter, even down to the molecular level, somehow is eternal and always has been. I don't know that that lines up with Scripture. And I also don't know that that lines up with logic. Because all things material have a beginning. Which means that there was a time when it was not. Which means that if we look for wisdom in the material reality that we live in, we're going to be choosing something that is not always there. (laughs) It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. God established wisdom before even this. So why don't we embrace godly wisdom, which is a priori, always has been, (laughs) created out of nothing, (laughs) long before there was creation. Now that's deep. This is not one of these sermons where I'm going to ask you to come to the pulpit or to the altar and pray, unless there's just something here that just overwhelms you and says, I am so wrong. (laughs) And that might be, you might be hearing some of this and thinking, I am not as wise as I thought I was. And if that's the case, we're all in the same company. If you have made some decisions and you have cast Christ aside in favor of something that is limited, then let's repent of that. And let's embrace the truth of the gospel. And let's embrace the wisdom of Christ, which transcends all things that we place our hope in. We place our hope in Christ instead of the world, Amen. not just worldly ideas, but worldly things. We place our hope in Christ, who always was and always is. That's amazing. That's right. This is why one, this is one of these sermons that you're not going to go home with Mormon fuzzies. You're going to go home with a headache and I apologize for that, but it's one of these things that if we if we overlook it in the Word, we're going to miss something rich. And what I want us to end with, and come on up, Caleb. The one thing I want to encourage you with and send you forth with is this. We live in a fallen world. We are fallen creatures. We are created people. Yet, we are loved by a God who is before all and through all and in all. His Son, Jesus Christ, was, is, and always will be. And all that we know in this reality is created by Christ for Christ. He is the fulfillment of all of our struggles because He gives us salvation from Him. That's the point. And so the wisdom of Proverbs points us to that truth. That we don't struggle in our own failures and trying to make up our own answers and 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 fix our own mistakes. The wisdom of God is there long before we ever made the mistake. Let that sink in for a bit. What are we singing today, brother?
1: And then we'll close in prayer. 380 in the hymnal. Hymn number 380. Let's sing it, church. My Jesus, I love Thee. I know Thou art mine For in Thee all the follies Of sin I resign My gracious Redeemer My Savior art Thou if ever sing verse 2. I love thee because thou hast first love in me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now.